Today's reading is in two sections from Matthew. It's chapter 6, verses 1 to 8, and then from uh, 16 to 18. It's in three sections. The first is giving to the needy. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honoured by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Prayer. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you go, when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Fasting. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others that they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father, who is unseen. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Good morning, church. If you're uh, visiting... Turn myself on. Sorry, Andrew. Uh, I am married to Debs. If you caught her calling me darling at, the, uh, at one point in the service, that is because we are married, and, uh, and I just wanted to assure everybody of that. So uh, this morning, we're talking about spiritual disciplines, and uh, that's what we're looking at. But before we start, I want to frame this in these extraordinary days in which we live. We're faced daily, aren't we, with news from the Ukraine, the first full-scale war on our continent for 75 years, a war in which women and children and elderly people seem to be legitimate targets. Humanity is always at its very worst and its very best in times like these. These are days of great evil as well as great courage and acts of remarkable goodness. And I just wanted to remind us of this verse in Psalm 34. It says, turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. This is what we need to do in the midst of these days. This is how we're called to respond. As followers of Jesus, we have 
unique resources to draw upon in these times. And some of these resources are these spiritual disciplines that we practice, that we make part of our lives as we follow Jesus. And it's fairly obvious that anyone who wants to achieve anything of any worth in life is going to be disciplined about what they do. If you want to be a ballerina or a boxer, a channel swimmer or a saxophone player, if you want to be a movie star or a mountaineer, you have to focus your life on doing certain things and giving up others. You need to follow a path. This requires this thing called discipline. But generally, discipline is not a very nice word. What comes to mind, comes to your mind, when you hear the word discipline? It takes me back to school, primary school. I was always in trouble at primary school. Um, gradually, yeah, it just got, just was always there. Discipline, it's not that easy a word, isn't it? We'd much rather, the world was nice, everybody was nice. We all relaxed and went with the flow. Discipline just seems a hard word, doesn't it? But if we want our lives to be lives that make a difference, lives with depth and meaning, we will need discipline in our lives. So today we're going to look at some spiritual disciplines that help us to live a life that looks like Jesus' life, a life in tune with how he lived, a life that we can see reflects his life in which we do the things that he did and as we see this in these six disciplines I hope that will help us all to move on in our spiritual journeys so I've chosen six disciplines you probably could come up with more if you wanted to that focus on different relationships first our relationship with God above prayer and studying his word then relationships with ourselves and how we live through fasting and living simple lives, living in simplicity, and then our relationship with the world around us, our generosity and giving or our service to those around us. And we'll think about each of these in turn. If we want to be effective disciples of Jesus, we need to be doing the same things that Jesus did and making them part of our lives. And we want to be sure that Jesus did all of these six things in his life. In this passage this morning, we heard about three of them, prayer and fasting and giving. But there are numerous accounts in the Gospels of Jesus spending time in prayer. He goes away for early in the morning to pray. One night he spends a whole night in prayer before he chooses the 12 disciples. Jesus prayed to his father. He did what his father asked him to do. And Jesus knew God's word, didn't he? He used God's word to defend himself against the temptations of the devil. He used God's word to correct the Pharisees and the Sadducees when he gets to the temple in Jerusalem. And Jesus teaches about fasting. In this passage, he says, when you fast. Did you hear that bit? He doesn't say, if you fast, or you might like to try fasting. He says, when you fast. That's pretty clear, isn't it? He expects us to do it. Because it's not an optional extra. It shouldn't be. It should be something that we're doing. 
just as he fasted for 40 days in the desert. That's this period of Lent that we're now in. And there can't be any doubt that Jesus lived a simple life. He didn't own a house. He had no business. He had no bank account. He walked from place to place. Only once did he ride on the colt of a donkey to confirm that he was the Messiah who was expected. And then generosity. Jesus' life is a life of generosity, the time and the energy, the love and the attention he gives to those around us, around himself. For he is a gift. He's giving himself because he is a gift. God so loved the world that he gave us Jesus so that everyone who believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Jesus says explicitly that he came to serve others. He encourages us to do the same. He washed the disciples' feet on the night before he died. He sets us this example of being the suffering servant, the servant king. So these spiritual disciplines then are learning from Jesus so that we might be like him, seeking to do what Jesus did so that our lives might reflect his love in the world. But before we go on, a few words of warning. The first thing to say is that these are not just for the super spiritual. They're not just for those who are well on in their journey. They're an opportunity for all of us to join in with. We're all beginners in this. None of us have made it or or got to the place that we want to be. We can all experiment and try and see what these are like. And don't get stuck on one. Try all of them. Just keep going round and round and see what works for you. Second thing to say is that this is not about dull drudgery and doing things that strip us of joy. We don't want this to be legalistic. We don't want these disciplines to become laws. You must pray this number of times a day. You must fast this number of times a month. That's not what this about is about. Legalism was the thing that Jesus hated the most because he knew that it chokes our relationship with God. And then these disciplines don't win us brownie points with God. It's not about us getting better for him. It's about us being in his presence and standing before him. We must never focus on what we do more than who we are. Who we are is our deepest identity, that we're children of God and he loves us. And nothing can change that. But we want to do what he would want us to do in this world and engage in these disciplines as part of the adventure of faith. So how can I encourage you that all of these are truly important? Let's start with prayer. I don't know if you've noticed, but there's a lot about mindfulness around in the world at the moment. I went on, uh, on online earlier, and uh, if you just put in mindfulness, you can get a course online for $149. You can sign up uh, for a course on mindfulness. You can get a podcast delivered direct to your phone. That's only £9.99 a month, and uh, that will keep you calm. But it seems to me this mindfulness is a response of a world that's forgotten to pray. It's forgotten how to pray. Because all that you get from mindfulness, you get from prayer. It brings you into the moment. It brings you into 
a new awareness of where you are and who you are. Prayer is about being in God's presence and letting him to that, into that space where you're focusing on him. It takes mindfulness to a whole new level. Prayer is about spending time in God's presence. Our time is valuable, isn't it? It's important to us. And how we spend it shows where our priorities are. And for me, prayer is not about having the resources to pray. There's loads of resources. We all know about the resources. We all know where to find them. There's lots on our website. There's a prayer diary. There are prayer meetings we can come to. The trouble is actually finding the time, isn't it? There's that nagging voice that says, oh, there's that other thing to do. There's more important things to do than spend time in prayer with God. We all hear it. We all have to shut it out if we're going to not make time, but spend our time praying. We need to turn up at those prayer meetings. We need to make them part of our regular lives. And we need to make regular prayer slots in each and every day. First thing in the morning as we start the day, Start with prayer. At meals, we give thanks for the food that we enjoy and remember those who aren't so lucky. On regular journeys, we celebrate this place that we live in. And as we watch the news, when we can't bear any more death and destruction, we can turn what we're watching into a prayer for those people who are suffering. And as we get ready for sleep and leave the day's worries, we've got somewhere to leave them with. God. We also need times to study God's word in each and every day. Again, we need a plan for this. We can't expect it just to happen. We hope that our teaching here in church is encouraging and equipping, but it won't be enough to enable all of us to move on in our journeys of discipleship. We need to spend time during the week as well. That's what we do in our life groups as we gather together to share our thoughts and our aspirations to share what we've seen in God's word. But each day, I think we also need to spend time in God's word. If we want to seek God's truth in this bewildering world, and I think it's a good plan, it's a good plan to have to read through the Bible in a year. It's a big book, and you don't want to do it in, you can try and do it in less than a year, but a year is a reasonable time. It's about 20 minutes a day, and there are plans that you can get on your phone to do it. I use one of those. I am a day behind on my Bible reading plan. I admit that to all of us here, but I will catch up this afternoon, and um, and, and it, it just means that each day you're encountering God's truth, each day. We're spending time in his word. So prayer and study bring us closer to God. And then fasting and simplicity. Allow us to be set free from the chains of this world. In both accounts of Jesus' temptation, it's the offer of food after 40 days in the desert that comes first. And that's important because fasting is important. Our physical hunger can remind us of our hunger for God, our longing for him. It puts him first on our list of priorities. It gives us time to pray when we're not having to cook or eat. 
It makes us conscious of our weakness and our vulnerability. And it helps us to connect with those who don't have food, who can't rely on regular meals to sustain themselves. And Adam's produced a really helpful sheet on fasting. And there are copies out on reception. So pick one of these up about how to fast and how to do it safely. My advice is to start small and start simple. So try missing out on lunch one day and just see the impact that that has on that day. And then build up to missing uh, one evening meal through to the next evening meal. And that's a regular pattern of fasting that's fairly easy to put into your life. The longest fast I've done is three days. And that is uh, something that is a bit draining. It makes you a bit wobbly, gives you a headache, and it really focuses you on why you're doing it and what's happening to you. So perhaps not the best thing to do if you've got an active job or you're working. Make space if you want to pray and fast for longer. But let's get on with fasting. Let's make it part of our lives. Because Jesus doesn't say if you fast. He says when you fast. And then we're going to think about simplicity. Just this week on Alpha, we were talking about what's the purpose of life? What's at the heart of our search for meaning in life? And there are some younger guys on our Alpha course. And one of them said that for everyone in his generation... The meaning of life is to get rich. The meaning of life is to get rich. And everybody would agree with that. But you know, Jesus offers us a different way of living. He told stories about how difficult it was for rich people to get into heaven. And he didn't tell us those stories just to keep us entertained. He told us because it's important. He told us how um, much of a waste of time it was to try and build up treasures on earth because God might require our lives from us at any moment. And we've all had the chance to see in recent weeks, haven't we, the terrible damage that's been done in Russia by a few people taking so much wealth out of that nation that the rest of the nation is left in poverty. Those oligarchs made decisions in that nation that protected their own wealth and didn't give people freedom and didn't share their prosperity across the nation. And that's part of the reason why there's such a terrible mess at the moment. Instead, we should live simply and practice simplicity. Do you remember that a few years ago, there was a time when lots of people wore WWJD bracelets. What would Jesus do? They were... Um, little ones that went around your wrist and uh, I don't know if you wore one I had one for a little while and then I found out that they'd start making these solid gold WWJD bracelets what would Jesus think about solid gold WWJD bracelets I hope I hope we can see there's a contradiction there because Jesus lived a simple life and he did not acquire stuff for the sake of it. I love the story about St. Aidan that comes from the 7th century. Aidan was a Celtic saint who preached Christianity in Northumbria. And 
Wherever he went, he traveled on foot so that he could readily talk with anyone that he met. But his king, King Oswin, presented Aidan with a fine horse so that the bishop would no longer have to walk anywhere. No sooner had Aidan left the king's palace than he came across a poor man who was begging. The bishop got down off his horse, gave it to the man and walked away. King Oswin was most distressed when he heard, and St. Bede, who was a historian at that time, left us this account. The king asked the bishop as they were going in to dine, My lord bishop, why did you give away the royal horse which was necessary for your use? Have we not many less valuable horses or belongings which could have been good enough for beggars without giving away a horse that I had specifically selected for your personal use? We get a sense of how Oswin was feeling about this, don't we? He wasn't very pleased. The bishop answered him, What are you saying, your majesty? Is this child of a mare, a mere horse, more valuable to you than a child of God? Let's live simple lives. And now the last two outward disciplines. Jesus taught a lot about money and he said you cannot feed both your desire for God and your desire for money. Instead, he specifically, in certain instances, told people to give away everything they owned and to follow him. So this discipline starts with the recognition that everything we have comes from God. Our life, our breath, our talents, our gifts, all that we use to gain wealth comes from God. So it makes sense that we hold on to that wealth lightly and we give away as much as we can. We don't do this in ways that draw attention to ourselves. That's what that teaching was about. Do you remember in uh, the reading that we had? Often, those who are poorest give the most. There's that story of the widow's mite giving her offering to the temple but we should give we should give what we can we should give as much as we can to build God's kingdom here to protect the poor and those who are going through difficult times I expect many of us have given to the Ukrainian refugee appeal and again we don't want to be legalistic about this we don't want to say exactly how much we should give but there is an expectation in scripture that Jesus doesn't contradict that we should give a tithe of a tenth of our earnings. A tenth of what we get, we give back to God. And if you're in St. Jude's, and if you're new to St. Jude's, or if you're visiting, you might not need to pick one of these up. But if you're new to St. Jude's, we use this parish giving scheme as a way of giving. We don't send around the collection plate in services. We use this parish giving scheme, which is a really helpful way to regularly give through bank transactions and it's helpful to us because it collects the gift aid for us and it means our treasurer and our gift aid secretary don't have to worry about that it's also helpful because it each year tells you that you've got the opportunity to increase your giving by an inflationary amount i got my email from the parish giving scheme just last week to tell me that it was going my giving to st jude is going to go up by i think it was 7.8 percent because that's, uh, that's how much it is. Uh, you know, that's how much costs are going up. 
we're going to have to pay heating bills to heat this place that are going to go up. So we need to give regularly and give in a way that makes sense to continue to build God's kingdom here. And there's plenty of these out in reception if you want to pick one of these up and fill it out. We're confident that we have a God who provides. Part of our discipleship, learning to be disciples, is trusting God with our resources and committing to be generous in giving to him. So that's the parish giving scheme. And finally, we come to service. We've talked about service, to reaching out and helping others um, before in this series. And I don't want to talk about it a lot now. Next week, David's going to be talking about it more in uh, next week's service. So, but service is part of our life as disciples, isn't it? And I thought it was important to include it here because it does take discipline to continue to serve. There are times when you won't want to go out on a Friday evening to get to Friday Fridge to look after those guests who come and they need something warm and, uh, and, and uh, some kindness to just help them get through that evening. There are times when service is difficult. It's not easy. It's a discipline that we have to get used to doing. It's a discipline to be on a rotor and turn up when you're expected to turn up. And we need to all be ready to do that. We live in difficult times, but God is with us. He's with us on this journey. And these disciplines ground us and hold us as we face the challenges here in where we live and we watch the awful, un, awful atrocities unfold on our television screens. There's lots of stuff going on around us, as we've already said. So many people going down with COVID, as well as all of the pressures this war is bringing to us. But let's remember to turn from evil and do good, to seek peace and pursue it. The spiritual disciplines are intended for our good. As we practice them, we become more like Jesus. We do the things that Jesus did. They allow us to make progress on our spiritual journey, to walk with Jesus as his first disciples did, to know his presence here at work in our lives. Because being a disciple means being transformed. Being a disciple means being transformed. And that will only happen if we're intentional about it. If we put these disciplines into our lives, if we do these things that Jesus did. I'm going to ask everyone to stand as we pray a little bit about that and as we come into a time of reflection and response, as we want to respond to what God said to us this morning, respond to how we've come to this service and how we're feeling about things so let me pray first and then we've got a song that will help us to respond and we've got people who are ready to pray with us and for us. So, Lord, we do live in difficult days. The threat of the COVID-19 virus is all around us. And now this awful and evil war is being waged against innocent and vulnerable people. But we stand before you here in this place 
and we commit ourselves to following your ways. In this week ahead, Lord, we ask that you would help us through your Holy Spirit to be more ready to pray and to study your word, to fast and to live more simply, to give of our resources, to build and serve your kingdom. Lord, be with us. Help us. And may our lives be centred on you, Lord. May our identity be grounded in who we are before you. And may that be obvious to all around us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have come with a burden this morning or there's anything that you would like prayer for coming out of that sermon, there will be people up in the chancel area who will be happy to pray with you as we sing this song and then after the service as well. So let's sing about building.